and welcome to another episode of In Media's Mess, where two pop culture nerds try to make sense of the messy world of mass media. I'm Alanis. And I'm Clea. And we're glad to have you along. So since we did make this podcast, we like to think that we consume a lot of media. Like a lot of media. But we also have a friend who we feel has us beat often because he knows a little bit of everything and retains a lot more than our combined brain cells can handle. Very true. So we thought it'd be fun to sort of pick his brain a little bit about how and why we consume the media that we do. Our friend Glad is here, everyone. Welcome, Glad. Hello. Hi, I'm, Glad. Finally. <laughs> I'm here and I'm ready to get messy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that sounds a little strange, but we'll take it. <laughs> it's fine. This is why we have you here. You're a much funnier friend. <laughs> Fun fact Glad was the one who came up with her name in Media's Mess. After a multiple trash attempts. You gotta find the gold in there. No, it's great! <laughs> and very witty. We're very thankful. We wanted to have Glad on the podcast for such a long time, so I'm really happy he's finally on. Let's go! <laughs> Throughout this entire pandemic, I think I've seen people be more consciously consuming media more than ever. More people are more vocal about their opinions about media through all of the different social platforms. And I really realized that people do consume media differently. I've found that their habits are all different and there are certain things I do that a lot of people don't understand and vice versa. So I'm kind of interested in exploring that. And I'm wondering if that's the same for you guys. Like, have you experienced someone telling you a particular media habit that you've never considered or something like that? Yeah, as someone who consumes a lot, uh, you always feel that need to share or find other people who you want to share the, like a show or music with. We find that natural instinct to share what we've just watched with all the emotions and how emotional we are. I try to give people like stuff to listen to or stuff to watch, but then sometimes or usually it takes them a while or a long time before it actually happens. For me, at first, I didn't understand. I was like, oh, are you not interested? But then I just realized that, you know, people just have to take their time because if people also give me stuff to listen to or watch, it also takes me a, takes a while festering on my browser before I click on it and actually check it out also. So kind of understand where people come from and how they want to take in the media on their own time and on their own terms. And I respect that. Yeah, I, I totally get that. Like, I would recommend something and then it'll take them like months. And then after a while, they'll be like, oh, I watched this. And I'm like, I literally told you about it like months ago. And then now you're telling me to watch it. <laughs> I'm like, um, send me acknowledgement. Sorry, joke lang. But yeah, you're right. It's just that we watch things at our own pace. And whenever we find time and we all do it anyway, so we can't really be judgmental about it. But then that brings me to the question, what would actually push you to watch something? For me, one, one of my criteria of choosing something to partake in is if it's compelling. So if something is compelling, like it's going to shake me or shift my life perspective somehow, then of course I would jump on that. So recently, I watched this movie called Sorry to Bother You, which my friends were saying was like pretty solid, pretty good. I was actually the last one of us to watch it because it took me so long to get into the right mood to watch a movie again. But then because of how it's like very unique. So that's another criteria, unique, compelling and unique. So both of those, then that's something that would get me to really like be interested in it and actually put it on my actual list of things to check out does that apply with music as well for you it applies to music it also applies to sports content (laughs) so so a lot of the sports content that's just like casual memes i would get bored of so quickly but if it's something like a three-hour series on the seattle mariners and how they're they never reached the world series and how they transcend being a sports team then that's something i would like to watch i can confirm he's made me watch it (laughs) For me, there are certain moods that I have to be in. There's no real rhyme or reason to why I would want to like watch this specific thing at this specific time. It's just that like my brain thinks that like if I see, let's say, uh, Glad also sent me like this really long expose on like the Buffalo Sabres. And I 
put that off for like three weeks because I was just like, every time I looked at the video, I'm like, I don't want to watch this right now. And then one day I just looked at it and I was like, it feels like the right time. So it's just one of those things where I feel like I have to be sort of like conditioned to take in certain bits of information and certain types of media. Yeah, I feel that too. I feel like it's definitely like a mood thing. For me, I usually have a very long, extensive bank of stuff. Mm, Same. Like stuff I want to watch, listen to, what have you. And I'm the type of person that would spend an hour just searching and favoriting things and putting things on my list, on streaming platforms, on Spotify, bookmarking things. I put a lot of things on my watch later on YouTube. I have a gazillion things on there. Oh my gosh, yeah. So that's what I look through instead. Right. Um, but a lot of people don't even use their like lists and what? watch laters and stuff. Yeah. That's why I was like, but why? I spend so much time <laughs> curating what I'm gonna put on my list. <laughs> I kind of get it. I kind of get it because I put Haikyuu, the volleyball anime, on my oh list my gosh, so yeah. long ago. Okay. But then I, I ended up watching Detective Conan like recently and it just superseded everything. So sometimes, you know, the list just doesn't apply to what you're feeling. No, that's true. There are like there are books and series and films that I've had on my list like for like years and I haven't touched them because for some reason I just keep getting new things and then they keep getting like shoved to the back yeah. of the list and it's just like yeah. I'm sorry. Like I'm sure they're great pieces of media. It's just I never get around to watching them. Yeah, I totally get it. I absolutely think we gravitate towards different media based on where we are in our lives, our moods, our current interests. Media taste is subjective, but I also think it's highly changeable. It's never going to be the same all throughout our life. And I think that's why I find using lists interesting because I can kind of amass the things that pique my interest and then be able to enjoy it when I'm in the mental space to do so. And there's really just so much across all of the media forms that I like or I'm interested in. We all probably have like a gazillion things on our list. I don't think we'll ever really get around to finishing all of them. <laughs> Do you guys think you'll ever finish your watch laters and lists and cues? No. No way. Genuinely no. <laughs> no way. Not at all. There's so many things coming out at the same time that they're coming in. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah that's, true. True. that's true. That's true. And since like with the rest of our life, our media mood changes and there's like a nostalgia wave in the past few years, is there anything that you guys have rediscovered? For me, yes. Recently, actually, I had this weird like renaissance um, where I basically was just reminded of how much I enjoyed things and media that like a lot of other people don't really care about. So I've made sort of an effort again to give more shows and music and like other things that I sort of knew about but didn't really pay attention to. I wanted to give them another shot. And it's been a lot of fun. Like, I feel like there's just so much good media out there that if you only stick to what you know or what you're used to, you really end up missing out on a lot. I agree. And early in the pandemic, that's when I rediscovered my K-drama passion. Mm. Not a passion, but my K-drama liking. So because I watched Crash Landing on you. Oh, it's okay. Just, right. It's, it's burned a whole month of just following. Like I watched three other K dramas that month just because of that. That gate, the it, the, it's a the gateway. gateway, yeah, the right. gateway. No, yeah. My mom recently watched The Good Doctor. That's like spun a whole thing of just her going through the entire like Netflix queue of K dramas. So that's the same with my mom, but she's gone above and beyond. Like she pays for our view subscription, ganong level. She watches not just dramas, but a lot of Korean varieties, even YouTube ones sometimes. And it's very amusing. She used to be judgy of my Korean media interest. It's been years now since then. And it's like, oh, anyare. So, una pa siya sa akin ngayon. Yeah, sometimes you just need a gateway, you know? It's the... Yeah. You just need to be in the right mood at the right time for that. And then it's just gonna open up everything. Yeah, a gateway is really important. You need a really good one. But I'm wondering also if you guys are the type to have a more scattered kind of media consumption where it can't be the same themes or genre in the same time period? Or is it that you go in-depth within one kind of category of some sort and that's all that you consume for a period of time? 
Yeah, I think I just kind of ride the wave. So I, for me, it's mm. I see it mostly in the music stuff I I go through because right. that's like a quicker turnover for like so like for a week I might be listening to just one genre, let's say like like emo or something like that, and right, then right. the next week I suddenly shift into like synth girl loud pop type of thing. Like Kylie Minogue's album is really good, so it just changes so quickly, and I just ride out the wave so that. Because I know I'm very conscious that I'm taking it in really well, and it just hits different at this mm. time in my life. For there was a whole week where I was just listening to Bell and Sebastian albums, just because I felt like I felt like that um, soft indie. <laughs> um, you were in a soft indie vibe. Through, yeah, just going through that. That's like when I realized now it's the best time for it because it's the, mo- the time I'll appreciate it the most, and I feel like that's right. what that's when I get to like really hear or see it. I'm a big believer that you often find media that's perfect for you at a certain time, too. And actually, with Music Cloud, that's where I feel like I'm most amazed by you. Truly. Oh my god. You are genuinely so driven by like an avid love of music. And you listen to so much. You listen to everything. Like, Glad listens to literally every possible genre like that exists in the world he's so quick with recommendations like That's i will true. ask about one thing and then he'll give me like a playlist yeah. oh yeah just ask just ask it really amazes me because it's with music that i feel i personally fall behind uh-huh in terms of media while i do listen to a lot of different genres and intentionally try to do so i'm rarely as methodical i guess with my music listening compared to how I am with film or TV. And I don't really dive very deep into each artist and each album all the time. And that's something you do with music very obviously. And then you also do it on top of TV and film. So the fact that you're so on the pulse with all of these different media forms, while having time to make weekly, monthly playlists, I'm genuinely like in awe. Let me send the playlist in the white chat. <laughs> I literally made just made one last week because Marga asked me to make a sad girl playlist. No, exactly. This is the thing. Like Alanis and I sort of have it ingrained in us to like diversify like the media that we consume just because we're media students and that's sort of like a thing that we've always, you know, been told to do. But also just because we're interested in like a lot of different things. But with like glad for you, you have the most diverse taste in music, in film, of basically anyone that I know. And I've always just been curious as to like, was that ever like a conscious decision of yours to just try as many things as possible? Or is it just that you randomly discover things and end up liking them? Mm, I'm trying to remember my origin stories now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, go glad. Let me trace. I trace my, like the beginning of my taste making, taste whatever, back in like, Late first year or early second year high school, that's where I started like listening. I was like a huge Beatles fan back then. So I'd watch all these Beatles stuff and like the whole, whole discography. This is not an insult, but I'm very much not surprised. <laughs> so what intrigued me was like the Sgt. Pepper stuff and all the later stuff and Abbey Road, especially mm-hmm. because that's which ended up becoming my favorite album of theirs. So that experimentation stuff was like interesting to me. I guess it leaked into me wanting to also like listen to more like more interesting stuff. So that's when I started like diversifying the stuff I listened to. That's when I started actually like being conscious about okay, I'm listening to a lot of music. Maybe I should find more that's also interesting and that's shaping the music landscape of today, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So that's when I discovered like pitchfork and stuff. So I became a pitchfork.com mm-hmm. like referring guy before and and also in high school was when I started watching more movies than normal. So I was trying to get into that also because I also had friends who would recommend mm-hmm. music and movies. So we'd watch things together. So back in high school, I'd, me and my friend would pick a movie like to watch like over the weekend or something. He'd make me watch Lord of the Rings because I've never seen it before. And then I'd watch, we'd watch Schindler's List. Oh, that's my favorite movie in high school. <laughs> Such a good movie. Yeah. Note. And then he told me his favorite movie was Hot Fuzz. And then so once you start watching those really good quality type of movies that are kind of unique and kind of on the top of other people's lists, you start to 
want more and you start to want to mm-hmm. find it on your own and try to really develop or figure out what you like so that's when i started to realize that okay i like i like all these best screenplay nominees type of movies i like the money balls of the of movies and yeah stuff that's compelling the stuff that with that shape like or influences people and so that's when i really started to like develop that kind of liking but then along the way i, I realized that i also like the cheesy stuff so i got into downtown abbey in high school also <laughs> so that also leaks into allowing myself to be happy with the stuff i watch or allowing myself to watch stuff that makes me happy right right yeah that's so important i think when you're building your taste as a young person or when you're discovering the things that you like for the first time or you're exploring that for the first time it's important that whatever is canon or whatever is popular is just a jumping off point for you yeah and not like a definitive list of what you should like because you have to look for things that you personally enjoy and what speaks to you yeah and that's the thing like i feel like a lot of people are sort of preoccupied with this idea of like seeming smart with what they consume you know like obviously it's great to watch films or listen to music or like read books whatever like to consume media that's like very compelling and very interesting and like thought provoking but also it's really fun to just consume trash like stuff that you objectively know is not of quality but it makes you laugh or it makes you happy in like some capacity and like that's you know for some types of media that's really all the value that they serve anyway i count myself lucky because Mm -hmm. i don't know I maybe it was from too much internet as a kid, but I always felt free to like whatever it was that I liked. I was not exempt from peer pressure and like people telling me to read things because it's popular. But when I did like things that weren't as popular or weren't trendy or maybe were even nerdy, I never really felt like I had to change my opinion. So I carry that over now, like, I really do just like what I like, whether it's critically acclaimed or panned or popular or my friends don't like it, it doesn't really bother me much. And it's just a much more fun experience because you get to talk about different ideas. Plus, I think it also makes for a much more enjoyable experience online because, you know, of how people tend to react about media opinions on the internet. But I also don't think it's any individual's fault that they take media consumption or media taste so seriously. It's also, I think, a consequence of how we consider art and media and society. Yeah. It's also something that you really have to outgrow. People kind of take their time to grow out of that, I think. That's true. It took me a while also to Mm. stop looking at thing at people's tastes and feeling like oh my taste is so much better than yours you really have to go out of that <laughs> okay that one i'm 100 guilty of we all have that elitist phase sadly true <laughs> very burgess problems no but that's the thing i feel like media consumption is like so subjective kasi talaga. yeah and it's like there's no my taste is better than your taste situation like nobody is pinning anyone's media consumption against each other it's really just a matter of like what makes you happy and like just letting people consume whatever like they want also so yeah and with the caveat that it should be humane you're really allowed to enjoy whatever genre whatever category all of that but given that we've established that we like to diversify and We've taken time to form our taste and how we consume media. And Glad has said that he tends to like compelling stories. Are there any other elements in media that you tend to like pretty consistently? I don't know if this counts, but like in narratives, I am always a sucker for a good side character. Same, you know me. (laughs) (laughs) Like the protagonist is never my favorite. And obviously, that's like such a cop-out of an answer because I don't think that's not a trend necessarily because like every set of characters are very vastly different depending on the story. But I've just always felt like side characters are just more interesting. So that's for me. In terms of like trends or genres or tropes, not so much. Right. Um, I think for me, it really is more of a case-to-case thing. But I will always root for a good side character. For me, I think... 
a trend, maybe a, a small trend, is the intertextual or very referential stuff. Ooh. So, which is why, like, I really put community in very high regard mm, for being right. exactly that. And I guess that's also why I got interested in Gilmore Girls so quickly after seeing mm. the pilot. Yeah. So the, way, the way they talk and the way they make references, like I got like maybe 40% of them because they're so old. Mm, yeah. Yeah, so stuff like that. That piques my interest because it's it kind of dates the thing, but then it's also because it's not a problem because we're also living through that thing. But then also there's this old other movie um, with John Cusack called High Fidelity. So it's like... Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. So right, it's about he owns a record store, he talks about music, he makes yeah. top five lists. So that kind of thing where you like look at culture and rank it or, or <laughs> put it in like a, a good aspect or a good plot point of the thing. So that's the kind of stuff that I would usually, almost usually like. So do you like characters that reference pop culture because you're a pop culture enthusiast? I, su- I suppose. <laughs> I can see myself making top five lists left and right. <laughs> yeah, very Seth Cohen vibes. But yeah, for me, character persona-wise, I latch onto angry or disinterested women a lot. I periodically have bouts of riot girl music phases. And as a young teen, I had the phase where I was obsessed with blonde women who are very anti-suburbia, borderline psychotic. Okay, no, I remember that. <laughs> See, it's my brand. Yeah, so this was like pre-Gone Girl and I was obsessed with... Um, the Virgin Suicides. Yes, exactly. The Virgin Suicides, Wet on Leander, or anything with Michelle Pfeiffer. Right. I also had a scorned woman literature phase when I read... Anna Karenina and Madame Bovary in the same time period. There's this tweet that's like, I like female characters that make male audiences mad. Mm, and that's yeah. like exactly me. That's me summarized. Like across all of media, that's it. Oh, and I like, I'm a sucker for a nice ensemble. Oh, same, same. Ensemble-driven media for me is so good. Like, I really, really enjoy it also. Yeah, because I, I like seeing dynamics. Yeah, because honestly, like, here's the thing. I love character-driven also, but I feel like a lot of... I mean, not to knock on anything specific, but I feel like there are just, like, a lot of sort of character-driven stories that fall a little flat because they don't really pay attention to relationships. And, like, that's always been a pet peeve of mine because, like, no matter how interesting your character is, if they don't interact with the people around them, I'm not gonna care. Relationships in media is funny for me, particularly in stuff like film and TV because I'm the type of person that would see a dynamic or whatever kind of ship that people are talking about and be interested and end up watching clips of on YouTube even though I don't know what the show is about at all. Ah, same, same. I'm rooting for this dynamic, but I don't care about the entire show. <laughs> kind same. Of thing. I've had I've had quite a handful of those where I'm just like, oh my God, what's gonna happen to them? And I have no idea what's happening to the rest of the show. It's just them. Do you ever have that bug? Because I have so many. <laughs> I feel like no. I feel like I really have to get into the show mm. to really like meet get invested in a person i can't just be invested from a youtube yeah (laughs) it's fun oh it's fun like for me honestly i love that it's low stakes i can be interested in one singular character or a ship or whatever and i don't have to go through like four seasons worth of content for them Mm -hmm. i mean i did try like one time to get into the actual show but so many of the characters fell flat like within the first couple of episodes. So I was just like, yeah, I'll stick to YouTube. No, I really feel like the need, I need to watch it because I need to make an informed decision and choose <laughs> the right person. <laughs> Valid. So like the whole seven seasons of Gilmore Girls just to confirm that this was the guy I wanted. <laughs> so which guy, Glad? Which guy? This is going to be your like litmus test if we're going to be friends after this. <laughs> I'm, I'm a Luke. Luke since day one guy oh yeah yeah I mean there's no question did anyone question that because why um I thought you meant for Rory uh oh oh I hate but I hate everyone (laughs) this is why we're friends (laughs) anyone who answers anything other than I hate everyone is not for me we did not watch the same show dude yeah (laughs) because even even the nice guy who had a crush on Rory ended up having a, a downfall also 
poor Marty. <laughs> yeah, it's not a thing. I'm sorry. All of Rory's boyfriend's love interests sucked. Anyway. Even, even Rory, so. Okay, no. valid. <laughs> I'm still waiting for the comeback. <laughs> yes, I agree. But yeah, different conversation altogether. We got to reel it in. You did mention sort of taking a little bit of time to sort of grow out of that mindset of comparing your tastes or your like interests with everyone else. But like these days, do you find that, you know, um, the interests or like the general consumption habits of like your friends or like people around you, do they also influence what shows or what media you give a chance to? Yeah. So we all have those friends that we trust with the Rex. Yeah. Okay. So I have I have a few and then that's why I ended up watching Detective Conan also. That's also where I get some, a bunch of albums from. Mm. But then it's not everyone. Like you kind of know which, which of your friends is more aligned with you in terms of the stuff you like. Right, right. Okay, yeah, that's true. 100%. <laughs> so their recs are easier to take in than other people's recs. So if someone else would send me something, it would take a longer time, even though I'd still appreciate it. But then some people, they just they just get it right away. And that's right. I, f- I feel that. I, I live that. <laughs> Question related to that. When your friends have vastly different tastes from you, I mean, I know that it probably doesn't impact your friendship in any real way, but... Does it affect how you view them as people? <laughs> uh, we, we've, like we said, we've grown out of that that kind of thing. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, kind of. Uh, <laughs> I don't know because I mean, listen, we're human, and I don't think that my taste is superior. And usually, I do understand why people like something anyway. And I'm not averse to a healthy exchange of ideas. But I guess when it's something that I like genuinely don't like, or it's a take that I don't particularly align with, because it takes a lot for me to not like something anyway. Right, yeah. So it's more of like, huh, I did not realize that we deferred in this way. I know exactly what you're talking about, but I'm not going to say what it is. Clea, you know it. You get me. Like, I totally respect it, and it's not like... I'd be closed off to anything that you recommend and you really don't have to like justify why you like it. It's really just maybe I'll have to think about what you recommend to me sometimes or there's also just like an acknowledgement of like okay we like different things okay yeah like it's not that my entire opinion of you changes right it's exactly. just that like like exactly what you said it's just like oh that's something I really don't like. And so when you send me recs, I might have to think twice about listening to them. I respect these people and like what they choose to consume or listen to or watch or whatever. But it's just, there are just some things that I'm super not a fan of. And when you try to force it on me, I'm just like, no. Yeah. Okay. Now I agree. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are friends whose tastes you align with more and friends whose tastes don't and that's fine it's chill it's never really personal anyway it doesn't change how much you like or love them and i honestly think that's better yeah you know i always say that having the same like opinions about everything that's a cult that's not a relationship (laughs) that's a toxic friendship right there honestly so it's fine since we've talked about the things we tend to like. I'm curious if you guys have things that you're irrationally biased against. We're human. It happens. Sometimes we just don't like a thing. The first thing that comes to mind for me is like sports teams. <laughs> I'm the kind of person who really doesn't feed into sports rivalries too much. Like catch me watching an El Clasico and cheering for them both. But there are teams that I just really, really do not like. Right. Whenever I have friends who like those teams, we just have this like silent agreement that we're just never going to talk to each other about our teams ever. Irrationally do not like. Uh, well, I don't know if I hate something so much, but I'm actively avoiding more like soft sad boy rap, uh, mainstream mm. sad boy stuff. Kind of makes me cringe now. I'm so proud Thank of you. Thank you. I'm so <laughs> proud of you. Like the... I mean, I used to be into Frank Ocean. Like, I appreciate his older stuff mm. or Tyler, the creator even. But then the kind of culture surrounding it now and the kind of people who generally listen to it, it's just not, I just don't vibe anymore. <laughs> to put right, it in yeah. Gen Z words. <laughs> <laughs> 
I appreciate that though. Thank you very much. Yeah, like it, it's developed a whole subset of, and it's become so big. It's not very like interesting or fun as cool in my opinion as it used to be. Right. I would say I have more irrational dislikes when it comes to actors, maybe or film genres. I rarely ever feel like watching an action film. Mm, yeah. You know, not to affirm the female stereotype, but unless it's subversive of the genre, I just don't really care. Same. It's kind of boring. To <laughs> be honest, they have to be very well sort of structured or very well done for me to like really appreciate them. Because I feel like a lot of action films are just like explosions and fist fights, and like it's just not as like interesting there needs to be a lot more to it than just that i think i I would make a case for bad boys at least (laughs) yeah i mean it's not to say that there aren't any good ones i just don't gravitate towards it often this one's i don't know if i can explain this properly but like there are certain films that come out and when they're out and sort of enjoy like some popularity, there are like subsets in that fandom that sort of like try to force it on everyone as the pinnacle of great cinema. And those are the movies I actively avoid. I was gonna ask that also actually. Does audience response or fervor, I guess, affect how much you would be interested in something? Is this like the 1917s of the cinema world? <laughs> <laughs> For me, honestly, it's like, it sort of depends because like there is audience fervor that like I can super get behind. Like that's basically why I watch Shit's Creek. You know, if people are just like really enthusiastic about something and they really like it, then I'm just going to be like, oh, that sounds cool. Let me check it out. But then there's like audience fervor that comes to this weird thing where people are just like, you have no taste if you haven't seen this. Okay. And I'm just like, okay, I'd rather have no taste than deal with that. You know, it sort of depends, I think. Because I'm actually very particular about, like, fan behavior. More Mm. so than fan response, I think. Oh, okay. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so I feel like if people are using it as, like, some sort of weird highbrow thing, it's immediately a hard pass for me. Exactly, the 1917s of the cinema world. (laughs) I haven't even seen it. I haven't been motivated to see it. But a good highbrow film that I really enjoyed... This portrait of a lady on fire. Mm, yeah. Listen, portrait of a lady on fire deserves the universal acclaim, but also I think with the critical darlings, it's also a case-to-case basis of how the audience and how the critics react. And I think it's propelled by how much recognition or lack of recognition it gets during award season. And then I also think it has something to do with the fan community it engages with. For me, like Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I mean, I know it's a bit of a highbrow film, but like the response that I kind of saw and the response that I was hearing about was just like people talking about like how it's a really good film. I, you know, I was more sort of encouraged to look into it because, you know, people weren't like trying to force it down my throat. It wasn't like a superiority thing. I yeah. Think. No, none of that. Yeah. <laughs> I found like a lot of people discussing what made them like it, which is always like a plus for me. If like if it stimulates conversation and like actual discussion, then it kind of encourages me to look into it as well. Yes. Yeah. Free of casual opinion, I guess. Mm. But I guess, yeah, that is more like fan behavior than it is fan response. Yeah, because like a response would be like, oh, I like that. And then like fan behavior would be like how you talk about it after the fact. Yeah. So that's interesting. So since we are in the digital age and in a pandemic that does not seem to end. (laughs) By the way, we're recording this like just as the new lockdown has started. So... Back to square one. Let's go. Back to square one and somehow worse. Yeah, so. <laughs> Yeah, sadly. Both of these conditions have made us live our lives online more than ever. And our apps and socials rely so much on algorithms. I'm curious as to how much you guys actually rely on those algorithms. In terms of your media consumption, at least. Okay. Netflix, no. Okay. Because I don't... I'm not really 
it, it doesn't really give me stuff that I want to watch right away. I was just same. The, the Netflix algorithm is actually really weird because like it says it's like a percentage match and like all the high percentage matches for me just aren't things I'm interested in at all. I think you have to rate things. <laughs> I rate pretty regularly because I read I think a variety article that said it helps the recommended stuff on your page, but assess everything with Netflix. Who really knows? That would make so much sense in my case because I don't read anything. I just <laughs> add it to my and then I just watch it. But my YouTube algorithm, I really rely on. I never even check my subscriptions tab anymore. I just rely on the algorithm for YouTube. So that gives me all the baseball highlights that I watch and the sports content that interests me, like the more analytics slash Red. compelling narrative stuff. And then it also gives me like the game content that I, I watch. <laughs> game as in like, game content so i was gonna say like i feel like in terms of like the algorithm and like stuff that i actually am interested in youtube has it like down pat i mean obviously there are a couple of like weird things in my recommended that i'm just very like it boggles the mind why it's there but on the whole i feel like youtube has a really good system in place that sort of gives me a lot of peripheral content right Content that I'm not necessarily like subscribed to or would watch super often, but you can sort of glean from everything I have watched that I'd be interested in. They're pretty good at that. I had one recently that I started watching. Uh, I don't know how it ended up on my recommendations. It was just a small channel. It's called Turning the Tables. It's this musician son and his musician dad. And he's the videos are called Dad Reacts to this Radiohead album. <laughs> and then the videos are like half an hour long. And then I just clicked on it. That's and it cool, was, that's cool. It was really good. It was a really good watch. It felt really nice because his dad never listened to Radiohead before, even though he's a musician and he's going through all these life-changing albums to people and then seeing him genuinely react. And it's just very, and since it's a small channel and they're just doing it for fun, it's very, very genuine, very whole, not very wholesome, but that is noted, and I will subscribe very, very soon. <laughs> I should really watch more YouTube. I think my YouTube algorithm is pretty okay. I make use of the stop recommending me this channel button a lot. But since, yeah, I don't spend too much time on it, as maybe a lot of people, I don't really get to explore much of the algorithm. I feel like I watch more YouTube than Netflix, TBH. Yeah, that's not me. I have like three, four streaming platforms. <laughs> and <laughs> I switch around between those. But I do try to get into new things on YouTube from time to time. Like I'm watching a lot of video essays lately. Oh, I too had a video essay phase on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Got you, God. <laughs> but yeah, like like I said, I don't really get to observe the algorithm much, but the ones that I do use a lot are the ones on Spotify and Instagram. Instagram is not as great. While I do find a lot of things that make my Venus placement sing on my Explore tab, I don't think it's as fine-tuned for a social media platform compared to maybe the likes of TikTok, Ganon. Also, it makes me want to spend, which isn't the best. Um, for Spotify, I really do like, I'm not like glad I'm not a diligent playlist maker, so I just let Spotify do its thing for me. The thing with me and my music consumption is that like I hyperfixate quite a bit. And when I hyperfixate, it's usually, if it's not genres, it's artists. And so my Spotify algorithm is always whack. It confuses itself quite a bit because I've listened to this one song like 50 times in the last month or something. And then like it just kind of assumes that that's all I want to listen to. And so my, you know, my daily mixes and my recommended for use are just kind of a little strange. <laughs> While I do appreciate the Spotify algorithm, it's given me like quite a few gems. It's just that my habits are not designed for it to work very well no yeah i super get that you know how people say you are what you repeatedly do do you think you are what you repeatedly watch or listen to a la the spotify configuration because i'm not making excuses huh but i feel like my spotify wrapped usually doesn't accurately portray what i like because i'm not the type to listen on repeat much 
And when I do listen on repeat, it's because hindi ko na intindihan yung lyrics, so binabalikan ko, or hindi ko na pahinggan ng maigi or something. So my stats automatically revert to something I repeated like four times because that's the most I'm usually repeating a song. Mm, yeah, I agree. Same. I feel like for the three of us, it's just because we have like very diverse tastes, and like the year-end Spotify stuff sort of tries to distill that into like certain genres and certain songs, and so it's not always the most accurate because sometimes you just it's part of your taste for sure, but it's not. The entire picture, you know. Yeah. Yeah. For me, this my year and Spotify are always the things I play the most, rather than the things I play or I got really into. Mm. Sometimes I'm really into something, but I don't play it as much. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or I'm watching live performances on YouTube instead. Ganon. I'm expecting my year end to say indie rock <laughs> and just just put an umbrella on everything. My Spotify rap used to always be Latin pop or K-pop because those are my workout playlists. Right. And I listen to that exclusively when I'm working out. And I had to resort to using the extra Spotify family account allocation for my basura pop workouts. <laughs> I remember 2019. It's like literally my year end was just like fully dominated by like Carly Rae Jepsen. And that was because like the month leading up to her concert, I was listening to Carly Rae. And then like the month after that, I was a bit on a concert hangover. But every other month, I was listening to something entirely different. So that's what I don't particularly love about algorithms. It usually uses your view, like your play count. It's kind of just like half of the data, you know? It's like, okay, sure, I repeated this song, but like maybe I just was into the song for like a week. But like, if you look at like the entirety of like what I've played on Spotify, for example, it's just like I listen to a particular song maybe like twice every month for the entire year. And like, I would say that like that's a bigger, you know, that's a bigger song for me than in whatever I was repeating in a particular week, you know? Yeah, my Spotify 2020 was very like not helpful because. <laughs> There was this one album which ended up being my favorite of the of that year, the yeah. the Beach Bunny album, that I just kept playing a lot. So that and since it's just very short and there are few songs, those are the songs that ended up encapsulating my top five songs of the year. So like, <laughs> so it was just the album. Beach, yeah. Since I listen by album, it's and Spotify displays it based on the songs, and you know you get a you just get one tiny. Snapshot. I do need to say though that like I am not the type of person to listen by album. Ooh. I usually just get like songs. Like if a song interests me, then I'll pull it and put it into a playlist. I don't often sort of listen to an entire discography or like an album at a time. And yes. glad, obviously, you are someone who does that quite a bit. Alanis, how about you? Oh, uh, I listen by album. I think this is. Coming from like my years of downloading songs, ah, yeah, that、okay. I would download by album. So I often feel like I need to listen to the entire album to get like a full picture of what the song is about. But I don't think I listen to the album all the time because, again, Spotify algorithms and I use song radios a lot.、Mm-hmm. But if I want to listen to a particular artist for that day or for that hour, whatever, I do. Listen to an album, right? And again, because I'm not a playlist person, I also don't really listen to entire discographies at a time. I used to try when I was younger, when I would follow that one Tumblr, see one week one band, <laughs> and you know when I was downloading songs. But I've really gotten a lot more passive about how I listen to music over the years, right? What usually happens to me is if I like a song and it's by an artist that I'm not super familiar with, I'll take a listen to like maybe three or four of like their most played,、mm-hmm. and then if it interests me, I'll dive into an album.、Um, but typically, like I will just hear a song and think, "Oh, that's nice," and then that's it. There are only certain artists or certain songs that compel me enough to just be like, "Okay, I want to listen to the entire like to the entire album by this artist."、Mm. For me, I treat albums as a as a singular a, a singular thing. Yeah, I guess molded from the 
the Sgt. Peppers or the or the, the the second half of Abbey Road or all the Radiohead albums. <laughs> right. That molded my my listening habits. So there even the album that's being heralded as the best one for this year is 97 minutes long, but it has like amazing replay value. So <laughs> For some reason, so so I just take it in as a whole because like there's like a whole overarching overarching concept behind it, and the way it flows also is like an addition or a plus to me. So that's where yeah, that's what I look for. So that's how I make my playlist. Also, that's how I try to make it because I'm so used to listening to albums. I try to make the playlists have an order. I'm not that great at mm. it, but I've been trying with like all the playlists I've been making to. Make it have like a flow, right? Not just like jump into a sound. I love how deliberate you are with your playlists because <laughs> I always put everything on shuffle. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I guess our answer is we aren't what we repeatedly listen to in music, but I guess in films too that kind of applies because the films I watch all the time aren't necessarily the same as my list of all-time favorites. Mm. There are overlaps, but it's not always the case. Right. Like, I maybe have watched Penelope too many times to count, but it's also not the first thing I think of when people ask me about my favorite film. Yeah, what about you guys? Same for me. I know that the idea of, like, a comfort film or a comfort show is, like, very prominent. But personally, I put on stuff that I don't need to pay attention to, if that makes any sense. I repeatedly watch things that I don't necessarily love, just stuff that I can follow along with like at the back of my head while I'm doing other things. Yeah, do you? You know, and stuff to take my mind off of anything else. So it's usually very like light, very trashy TVH. I don't often repeat like the shows or the films I consider like masterpieces. They're not, you know, they're not the on-repeat type of films for me. I used to be called like a half-watcher in high school. Maybe until now. <laughs> because when we, my friends and I were like watching Walking Dead together, I was just like half looking at the screen and half on my laptop or my phone. Yeah, but then it's kind of a habit <laughs> that I've developed. But then like for Gilmore Girls, like you can say that it's a, not too active a watch sometimes. Right. So that, I, really, I agree that there are those kinds of shows that you can just have on and you can follow even though you're not looking at everything because not everything's a cinematic masterpiece that requires your 100% right. full screen attention. For me, that's Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh, yeah, yeah. For me, that's Brooklyn Nine-Nine and also Friends. Yeah, a lot of sitcom stuff then. <laughs> yeah, stuff that isn't like super linear that you don't have to follow one episode to the next. For me, I used to not get that habit practice. Like I used to wonder about friends who would use shows as white noise to fall asleep or I wondered about my mom who would have a show playing while she was working. I used to think that there's no point in that. Like, there's no point in watching something if it doesn't have your full attention. But, ayun, nandito na ako. <laughs> Naiintindihan ko na. <laughs> now I use things as white noise. Or I watch things to help me fall asleep. And usually I watch, I wouldn't call it trash naman. But often there's stuff I'm already familiar with. Or... Stuff I know won't make me want to stay up or focus on the film, essentially. And yeah, quite a lot of my favorite films are heavy. And so I need to be in a good emotional space watching it. No, same. I feel like there are some films that necessitate like all of your focus. And you know, those are like really good films that I feel I would feel very bad if I just like put it on and then not watch it like in its entirety. So those ones I don't repeat very often because I'm doing other stuff, you know, and I just need something light to put on and you know distract me. Kind of. Yeah. If I would name drop movies, I guess the the 100 focus would be a Mulholland Drive or a yeah or there's another one I had. My head. Even Moneyball for me, honestly. Okay, I know Moneyball too well. <laughs> <laughs> and then I guess the more past... Oh, Lawrence of Arabia was other one. <laughs> that's the four-hour investment. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's so long, dude. Like, Just worth it for the one scene where he blows on the match and then it turns into a sunrise. No, yeah, I don't even think I finished that. I guess the half, the more passive one I could watch is like Forrest Gump. The more lighthearted, mm-hmm. even though it's kind of long. 
it doesn't require you to watch everything. Maybe or maybe because I know it well also. That was something I used to rewatch. Quite a few chick flicks for me. Yeah, same. Stuff like Pretty Woman, ganun. I think particularly like English rom coms. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't need to read mm. subtitles because I'm not a polyglot, yeah. so I can. Yeah. That's why when I have a K drama face, I really need to be focused and ride that wave out really quickly because that's when I know I'm gonna be looking at the screen. No, same. Like with me and Korean Variety, which I super love watching, it's difficult because I end up not getting to watch it super often because I know that when I do, I need to be like focused on actually understanding what's happening. It's kind of one of those things where you have to plan for, like when you're watching something with subtitles, you really have to consider how much attention you're giving it. On a slightly related note, I wanted to ask, especially to you, Glad, since we're in the realm of talking about how to focus on media while you're consuming it, I'm wondering how you remember the things that you consume because you pretty much have like encyclopedic knowledge. You have a database in your head, honestly. Uh, Damn, thinking. No, I remember asking Glad for music recs, like, based on one song. I gave him a song and said, okay, something like this. And then within 10 minutes, he has a mini playlist of, like, five or six songs, complete with descriptions and notes on, like, the genre and what everything sounds like. And I'm just like, how in the world is this even possible? Like, how do you do this? I'm always amazed, Glad. Uh, okay. I also read like reviews mm. that help somewhat. Okay, yeah, same, same. <laughs> with some of the stuff that I know or I'm familiar with reading about it. But then if you like ask me, in a, a few, uh, there will always be like a, a few artists that come to my head, either stuff I've listened to more recently. So that's, that's definitely in my head still. Others maybe I have to search more. Actually, I also check the song radio sometimes, like just to give me some prompts <laughs> with the artist. Just so that I can remember, okay, this artist might be in line with what you're asking me about. And I know I like this one song and that's this how it sounds like. Because when I listen, I try to um, identify those that stand out to me. So if I'm listening to an album like and I'm not looking at my phone, if something like if I hear something like that that interests me enough, I will look at my phone and look at the title and then make a mental note for later. Mm. It also helps to know where to search because there's so many things. And but then I really need the prompt sometimes. So that's also why I keep like a record of stuff that I'm listening to. I actually have like, I'm trying to keep a list of tracks and albums so that I can rank mm-hmm. my year end stuff. It's also hard. Yeah, I get that. I do that, but not with songs. I have a notion for the stuff I've watched and the stuff I've read. Yeah, me also. I have like a list and then like a star review system. Oh, I don't have a review system, actually. I'm trying to revamp it too because I tend to feel like I have to jot down my thoughts as I have them when I'm watching. But that takes up a lot of time and it kind of discourages me to be consistent with actually writing down my thoughts instead of just tracking what I've watched. So yeah, I'm mulling it over. It's also why I'm considering some sort of blog. So you can keep track. Oh yeah, I used to do that. Like I remember, you know, back in the days of Tumblr, (laughs) um, I just had like a side blog where I literally would just write down like everything I had like watched or listened to. And then just like, like just a couple of bullet points about like what I liked, what I didn't like. It was very helpful. That was a time where I was just very randomly consuming things. Right, right, right. There was no specific reasoning as to why I tried looking at this or that. It was pretty fun looking back at it. I think it was like at the point where I was trying to develop taste. So, you know, that was that was actually really fun. And I feel like I should do that again. Yeah, yeah. At most, I'll sort of just make a list to keep track. But I haven't been like very good at, you know, reviewing or like looking at things talaga and um, trying to pinpoint what I liked and didn't. I think one influence for me was Sporkle. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Having having to take quizzes on like <laughs> trivia lists and that, that's right, something that yeah. helped me like motivate me to come up with my own lists. I do want to mention though like since like since you brought it up it's actually I feel like for media students it's very easy to sort of lose interest in media 
but I've always felt that like you know the two of us Alanis and like Lad obviously we're, we, we've always been the sort of people to just like media generally like to like consuming media to like trying like different forms of media and so I think that helps also in how we approach things that's why we're also you know that's why we're kind of unconsciously trying to diversify and that's why we keep trying like different things and different like experimentations and all of that just because we have like a genuine like inclination to it and that like we're very interested in the media itself yeah the more i talk to like different people the more i realize that that's not an inherent thing for everyone and so you know i mean with glad <laughs> pretty obviously it's definitely something that you know i've noticed that you're really but with music in particular i feel like that's something that you've always been super interested in and actually very passionate and like talking about you do have a newsletter right yeah yeah i do i do it's very small intimate audience <laughs> talk about it come on <laughs> okay so the process right so um every week uh i've committed to writing about uh, one album and one track Mm-hmm. that I would like to recommend. So at the start, I was like, okay, I'm just going to recommend like these classic, or in my eyes, what are these classic albums or tracks? And then I'll add uh, something from recent release, like in 2020 or 2021, like just so that it could be relevant also, not just from the old stuff to the new stuff. But then recently it's getting, since I've kind of saturated that already, I'm... I'm having a bit of a harder time figuring out what album to write about because I would like to write about something that would mean, have like certain meaning to me or I find meaning in right. so that it wouldn't be such a hard write. So that's why it's, for me, it's becoming more of a challenge. But then my, I guess the way I approach it is throughout the week, I'm just, when I, as I consume different music and like new stuff, I would really be conscious about what I would want to share in a form that requires me to type in like a few paragraphs about it because I don't want to just put an album there and say, listen to this, I found this cool. Right. <laughs> I'd like to articulate why, why I found it nice and why someone might like it. So yeah, And I also still try to include something from either 2020 or 2021 just to keep things fresh. You're really so intentional about it, Glad. I love it. And aside from that process, I think just the existence of your newsletter is impressive because it helps you appreciate the stuff you like more, right. helps yeah. you sharpen your brain, I would imagine, in a way that's enjoyable and creative. And going back to what we said in the beginning, that when you like something, right, you want to recommend it. Spread the appreciation, basically. Yeah, and as someone who really appreciates your newsletter and all of the thoughts and all of the heart that you put into it, I attest that sharing is caring. And it's also a fun way to stay connected in these times. So Looking back, I think I, one of the things that pushed me to make it a newsletter and make it into like email form is because I kept like sharing... Copy like copying the same Spotify link and sending it to like five different messenger mm-hmm. chats to, to certain people. And I was like, maybe I should just centralize my rec- recommending method. <laughs> right. I can attest though, because a lot of people ask Glad for music recs. <laughs> but what about you, Cleo? Do you have a particular outlet? I have a sports blog. <laughs> um, I have a sports blog where I just like talk about quite a few things. It's mostly hockey these yeah. days but it's you know it's gone through quite a few iterations i also talk football i also talk diving i also there's just i'm interested in quite a few sports so yes. it's just kind of like my my flail dump essentially for just like talking about certain things and i've made like a couple of like you know it's just one of those things where you make random internet friends who share in your interests or like the same team so it's just kind of like one big like sharing circle of sports fans which is always fun because I tend to like sports that aren't incredibly popular in the Philippines right so it's hard to find like a local community of people who are like as interested in it and so and you know instead of like yelling everything out into Glad's DMs which I have done a lot um I just (laughs) kind of decided okay let's just make a vlog so that at least like I can yell in peace and you know 
if anyone wants to yell with me, then they're free to do that. That's what I'm trying to figure out lately. You know, we'll figure it out someday. In the meantime, though, we always have this podcast. So there's that. We're all content creators. I love it. <laughs> Claiming it. So to start wrapping up the conversation, I guess, um, we've talked a lot about the media that we consume and I guess the importance of diversifying, but we haven't really talked about why we feel the need to partake in as much media as we can. So for you guys, I guess, what value do you feel like it adds to your life, basically? Actually, you know what? I had that in my notes then. (laughs) Brain twins. But yes, please, go first, God. <laughs> Why I watch the things I watch and listen to the stuff I listen to. What a daunting question, Clay. <laughs> yeah, it's a little loaded. But it's basically just like, do you feel like the stuff that you watch and listen to like add any sort of value to your life? Well, okay. My first and shallow reason is I like making references to things. Baby, Gowski, matakot ka na. Yeah, like I, I like having something to... To use in lieu of an adjective, I would say it was like like this show or this song or this artist. And I find it makes it more fun because it also shows like that person that, okay, this guy, this person kind of sounds a bit smarter, kind of knows, knows some stuff. But then right. I guess another, a deeper reason as to why is just because I, I really find the, find joy in it. Like if I listen to like a song or an album that's really good on the on the first on the first listen, which it was this album called released two days ago called Draw Down the Moon by Foxing. Check it out. Um, okay. It it just gives you like a sort of fulfillment that wow, you you've listened to a lot of stuff, but then this one kind of just stands out and you've been waiting for so long and that kind of anticipation that leads into meeting your expectations it's always a feeling worth chasing for me and i guess another a last reason would be just to be able to talk about it with other people also right. like i really want to share right away like I, I have a few people that I, I still do like send links to on messenger just to check it out and being able to like see what their reactions are also and how they would take it it helps you for me it helps you understand that other person better as well as you being able to share something that could possibly be a communal experience. Something if like if they actually like bite, if they actually take it in and appreciate it, then that's that's like plus points for your friendship. <laughs> yeah, I get that. Um well the shallow reason is that because I've always lived this way. <laughs> <laughs> and media is everywhere and you grow up in it and it's inescapable and it's like asking the value of art right because it can be art and it's like asking why do you communicate ganon but i think the bottom line for me is that i like stories and that's something that's been ingrained in me and stories in whatever form they take is valuable i think for me because it helps me expand as a person it helps me understand the human condition, society at large. It helps me navigate both of those and navigate myself. And creativity is so vital in our lives and stories and media can be so inspiring and thought-provoking and emotional in that way. Right. And stories help you kind of navigate finding meaning in your life even. And again, since Nad has mentioned it also and it's Something we touched on several times today, stories that we share in media is also a great, incredible way to build and find meaningful connections. So it's really all of that for me. For me, the shallow answer is that I am a Pisces, so escapism is my life. Hard Um, (laughs) But (laughs) this is going to sound so dark. I'm so sorry. But like, Basically, I only get to experience one life and one reality. So I guess I've always used media as a way to explore other lives and other perspectives that aren't mine in like a really simple and straightforward way. Um, And like what you said, Alanis, there's so much to learn from media. And that's always how I've tried to approach it. But outside of that, I think it's also just 
having bits of audio and video and using that to connect with the people and share like a common experience that's always been not quite a driving force of my media consumption but it's a very nice byproduct that i really think is important being able to consume and pursue media always adds some sort of value to people's lives but i think it really depends on how they allow it to and maybe that's why we've been more intentional about our media We've been able to learn so much and expand our perspectives and our experiences and understanding from the media that we consume. And so we want to keep being able to do so. The world is big and huge and there's much to be learned in our short time Mm. in existence. (laughs) There's always time for a good story. How profound. (laughs) And what a wholesome (laughs) note to end on. Yeah. So on that note, it's over to you guys. Tell us about the things that you like and why you like them. Give us recommendations and all that other fun stuff. We do talk a lot about music in this particular episode, so we've actually issued a challenge to each other. We are going to be putting out playlists that we feel represent who we are as people over the next couple of days. It's going to be very interesting. It might be trash, but we'll see. The story of us in playlists. We'll see what happens, and we'll be posting those and everything else over on Twitter so you can follow us at In Media's Mess. And that's it for the week. Thank you, everyone, for spending time with us. Thank you, Glad, for joining us. Thank you, us. Glad. Thank you for this opportunity of a lifetime. <laughs> oh, grab it. You know what? This universe, none, ha? Tama. So, ito na. Tapos na ang pageant. Kawai-kawai na tayo sa audience who we will talk to next time. Bye! Bye, everyone. Goodbye.